Hey, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Edshart. So happy to have you with us today. And we're going to be covering a super, 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 super important topic today that we all talk about and we all know is an issue, but hopefully we're going to get some more details on how we can protect ourselves and what is going on out there in the land of cybersecurity. And to help me get through the muddle, get through the mess is Diane Valeri. She is the chief evangelist for a small tech company called Savient, and she is a cybersecurity expert. And Diana, welcome to the show. Very happy to have you here from Las Vegas, no less. Thank you so much. What a privilege. Well, you say that now. We'll get you at the last segment and we'll <laughs> see if you still think it's a privilege or if it's just torture. But there's so much to cover when it comes to cybersecurity. And, you know, security is such a uh, funny word because it feels like all of my information and data is anything but secure, and companies that are minding my data and mining it uh-huh. don't yes. seem to be really that happening when it comes to protecting it. Is that kind of a gross exaggeration? Unfortunately, I would say that that's pretty accurate these days, especially when we talk about in the States. If you're looking globally, a lot of other portions of the world have really latched on to the notion that data privacy and cybersecurity are very closely linked and made organizations responsible, right? That we're a little bit freedom-oriented here in the States, a little bit commerce-oriented, so we don't like to put in place regulations. And so we're lagging the rest of the world a little bit, and I honestly believe that's part of a factor in why you see so many incidents around companies here in this country every day on the front page, practically. This this organization's been hacked. Yeah, and it just seems like, aren't these people paid well enough to really have their act together? But, but is it, and I have heard that, in fact, that in general, we are the least, I don't know if we're the least secure, or if are we the least secure? I mean, I hesitate to say the least secure. That's a little bit of a pessimistic standpoint, <laughs> but we're certainly not at the top of the ladder as we would hope to be. Right. So I'm going to guess there's kind of, there's a tech side of this, there's a human element, perhaps, and then there's kind of a governmental oversight and responsibility to all of that, correct? Those are kind of the three, so let's say, components of what we're talking in this area of cybersecurity? Absolutely, absolutely. It's not falling upon any one entity as the main problem. It's sort of a disparate problem to try and solve right now. Let's talk about the the tech side of things. Now, I envision someone, let's say they're working for Experian, one of the three main credit Mm -hmm. reporting agencies. And they, of course, have social security numbers. They have loan numbers. They have address information. They have lots of personal data. I imagine in my fantasy land of what that person does at Experian, who's the chief technology officer, the CTO, I guess, And that person, he or she, must go to all these conferences. They must be up on the latest in technology and whatever the tools and their cloud-based or servers. Is that incorrect? (laughs) You know, in an ideal world, that would be the way that things work, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, we see this perpetual tension between operational efficiency and security. It's almost like they're enemies for each other. I want to be able to do things as fast and as easy and be as agile as possible, 
And that seems to come in conflict with, but I also want to protect everybody's data. So every time a CTO is trying to make a decision about do how, what is the risk in this? Do I really want to purchase this new capability to protect what's out there? Uh, there's that sort of give and take of, is this going to slow down my organization? And if it does, is that slow down enough that I'm willing to take the risk that maybe, maybe somebody's going to actually be trying to get into my data and succeed? And it becomes a balancing act for many CTOs right now. And is it a cost issue as well? I mean, do these tools and do, does all this technology, it must not come cheap, I assume. No, no, security is not something that you would say is inexpensive for organizations. So every single thing is what is the opportunity cost in this and what is the effective TCO and so many things that go back to financial profitability being impacted. It's easier to say, I don't want to put out money from my you know, operational expenses or a capital expenditure because that's going to hit my bottom line and my bottom line and my investors care about that right now. Right up until the point where you're on the front page. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that is the challenge of any organization for profitability, for, for all that thing. I totally understand that. By the way, we are talking with Diana Valeri. She is a chief evangelist of a small tech company and an expert in cybersecurity. We are going to get down and dirty and talk about why are things so screwed up. We'll leave it at that. And on that note, we're going to take a quick <laughs> You're listening to Pop Tech Radio, and we are coming right back. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It is Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchard here. Diana Valeri is joining us from Las Vegas. She is a chief evangelist for a company called Savient, and we are talking about cybersecurity or the lack of. So there is considerable cost involved in proper cybersecurity, correct? Yes. Yes. You're yes, to say the least. So we've got cost involved, and certainly if I assume the more code, the more protection that you have, there is the potential of whatever systems you have, be it the payment you know, at the Home Depot when you're sliding your card and all of that stuff, there are ramifications for that technology in terms of performance, correct? Absolutely. From the point of sale to the back office, all of that is something that they have to concentrate on protecting. In terms of these data breaches that we hear and read about, have all of these companies gone to cloud-based storage? Or is some of this actually still, you know, living on servers and Experian's wherever they are and Home Depot wherever they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So, you know, it's an interesting take because there's a lot of perception that the cloud is more risky than on-premises. And certainly you do see a lot of the current hacks that we're talking about are in the cloud. 
but if you look at, there's a lot of like Verizon publishes every year, the Verizon Data Breach Investigation Report that looks at where these have happened across industry, across uh, vertical, et And there is still quite a bit on-premises that's legitimately being hacked, not from anything that's residing in the cloud. Somebody's gotten access to servers in your own data center. So that perception of the cloud is more risky is not necessarily true. Gotcha. So, you know, in general... Are most people migrating to the cloud these days, most big corporations, or is it still kind of split? Or, you know, where is it these days in terms of where they actually... You know, it's this whole digital transformation process that organizations are undergoing. Almost every single one is somewhere on that journey, and most are starting to weigh heavily into the cloud because of the efficiency that they get from it, the operating power that they get from it, and then they don't have to pay to do their own data centers. They get to outsource so much of that pain of hardware and the technical debt that they've taken on historically. Uh, You see almost every large organization is moving towards that. If we see some lingering back, it's the financial space still. It's a little cautious. And some of the government. Yes, as they should be. As they should be. All right. So it is a mixture out there for sure. But like, let's say the large retailers, I'm going to take a wild guess and say they are migrating more aggressively towards the cloud than most. And so could you mm-hmm. say that most of those folks are, are cloud-based at the moment? Yes. But, so name a data breach. You know, and, and all of these data breaches, I'm going to guess that, is it like sort of you hear accident investigators when they talk about plane crashes or something, you know, horrific like that. So often it's not a single thing, but it's kind of a cascading thing. It's two or three things of failure when you have this catastrophic mm-hmm. event. Is that the way it is with these data breaches? Almost always the case. Almost always. There's a couple of different key ways that you see most of them happening, either by what we call the phishing attack, where they email 100 people at the company something that has some compromised software in there, a virus or something, so that they hope somebody will click on the link and actually run this on their computer, malicious code that will then enable them to start collecting credentials and get in. Or people just haven't upkept what you would call the security, particularly around the edge. So somebody is probing for known vulnerabilities because they haven't installed a service pack and manages to get into a router and start sniffing traffic on that and start seeing clear text credentials. I mean, there's a few different ways that people get in, but almost all of them are at least a two- or three-step process. Right. I'm not feeling any better, Diane. I'm just so you know. I uh, wish I could make you feel secure. but I know. Well, and, of course, the challenge to me just kind of, you know, sitting at home with my computer and my phone, it's like, you know, all of these things that I hope a company would do on behalf of me since they have my data, I hate to do for myself. Mm-hmm. I hate it when I have to, <laughs> you know, I just got a thing from Bank of America. It's like, you got to change your password. I'm like, why? I don't want to change my password. And yet they're forcing me to do it. I guess I, I should say thank you, Bank of America. I don't say that very often. But <laughs> I hate that stuff. And I think consumers hate that. So we're being a bit duplicitous when we say, Bank of America, protect my stuff, but hey, I want to keep the same password I've had for the last six years because I know it and I've memorized it. (laughs) It's like I discussed earlier for organizations. We as people have our quote-unquote operational efficiency. I know my passwords. I don't want to have to get a new computer. I don't want to have to install new stuff. That's what's efficient to us, and security is our own pain and roadblock, too. So (laughs) we experience it on a macro level and on a micro-individual level. Yes. So hang on that, and we're going to come right back. We're talking about cybersecurity. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We will be right back. 
Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. Hey, welcome back. Pop Tech Radio Talk and Cybersecurity with Diana Valeri. She, of course, is calling from Las Vegas, where I'm sure she's winning because everybody wins in Las Vegas, right, Diana? <laughs> you are winning. Sure. I, I think you win if you get some of the food here, at least. <laughs> That's right. Although there's no deals in Vegas anymore. But that isn't it. We're heading no. out there in January for CES, so I'm already dreading it because it's such an expensive town but we are talking cybersecurity today and you know we've, we've talked about the tech so one of the things presumably for any CTO is to make sure they have updated software and all of the service packs and everything and up to date you know how much of this is just human boneheaded error you know I, that must factor into this in many manners shapes or forms i assume Sure. One of the biggest things when we look at how breaches occur is, is what we'd call human error. Something's been misconfigured. Somebody didn't change the default password of something. Somebody put data in from production directly into a development environment that was production data. Just things that people do and make mistakes about. And if you look at the numbers, it's a reasonable percentage of data breaches are just because people are human. And we don't always put in place monitoring to watch that. Right. Now, I forgive myself for that because it's not my job. My job is to do radio shows and whatever else I do in my life for, for <laughs> money. But it, it is these people's jobs that they're supposed to be following up on. Should we give them a pass for that? Humans are humans, obviously. But it seems like you know, it sure happens with far too much frequency. You know, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They do not get free passes on this. As security professionals, we recognize, one, that people are human, but there are always tools out there to monitor for misconfigurations, to help people to double-check ways that you can put process in place, because it's people, process, and technology, all three together, that protect you. And organizations do not often like to think about the process part of it. As humans, we try to do things as fast as we can, and we don't like to follow process always. And at an organizational level, at a professional level for security professionals, that's inexcusable and is a factor in so many of these breaches. And no, people should not be forgiven for it. Every organization that lets that go, that doesn't focus on that, absolutely should be nailed to the wall. Because that is a huge responsibility to have your personal information and your credit card numbers, your date of birth, or social security. I mean, these are things that should be protected with every resource at hand, especially because there are tools out there to do so. So well, I have no I, mercy. Good. No, no, no. I applaud that. I'm somewhat being you know, facetious. But what else do they have to do except protect that data? You know, that's in the case of exactly. like Experian or TransUnion or any of these big you know, that's all they do is they maintain a database of my credit information and everybody on the planet's. 
clearly some of the biggest companies in the world are doing it wrong. Who's doing it right out of the companies that you are aware of that maybe we would know? Is there some that really, I almost don't want to say because you don't want to jinx them either, <laughs> but you know, at <laughs> least for, from your vantage point, you know, are there companies that you would say, yes, they seem to do it right? You know, that's a very interesting question. I mean, when we run into organizations that are focusing upon security first, a lot of it you'll see are in the financial space because they understand the trust that they have, mm-hmm. and a lot of them in the healthcare space. Uh, and this has been like a slow transformation. I mean, you've heard about all the bad things in the healthcare space, of course. Yes. But we are now seeing, now I'm speaking to more and more hospitals, more and more uh, healthcare systems that are coming at this from a perspective of, we want to take care of our patients' bodies, and we want to take care of their privacy and data equally important. And that's been actually very exciting to see. Well, that is good stuff. But, you know, if somebody is breaking into Experian, let's say, or even Home Depot or Target or any of these companies Mm -hmm. that have some financial information, I can understand that. But why would anybody want to break into a hospital's database or some sort of health care? Is that for the same reason as financial things or is it just sort of malicious intent from foreign actors or from whomever? or, Or are there a myriad of reasons? You know, it used to be that we find things like patient snooping going on, but these days what we see is an attempt to install ransomware into organizations like healthcare. I don't know if you've heard about this, but, you know, hospitals who somebody has installed a piece of ransomware and encrypted all of their patient data, it's like, hey, if you give me, you know, $5,000 in Bitcoin or 5,000 Bitcoins or something, we'll unencrypt this for you. Very financial, holding that at risk as at a prisoner level for these healthcare organizations. Is there anything more scummy than that? In cities. Anyway. You know, and I've actually uh, had co-workers that have had that happen to them where they just said, I'm not paying, and then woof, it's gone. So it is financial reasons. And, and where are these nefarious people coming from? I assume this is outside of the U.S.? Are there regions of the world, <laughs> Eastern Europe, where a lot of these kind of people yeah. are, are seem to be uh, hanging out? We do see a lot of this from Eastern Europe, yes. I mean, it used to be that these things were, you know, a bunch of hacking was viewed as like a, a bunch of kids in their garages in the basement, you know, on the motive. And that's that's very much a an outdated or antiquated image of it because now you have professional rings almost, people who come together for the purpose of extorting information and money from organizations. Absolutely. That is all. We are speaking, by the way, with Diana Voyer. She is a chief evangelist for a small company called Savient. And if you want to see her blog, you can go to savient.com slash blog. Savient, by the way, is spelled S-A-V-I-Y-N-T dot com slash blog. And she blogs there on much things about cybersecurity. We'll be talking with her again when we come right back. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Stay right there. Now's the time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because we're offering Dodge Power Dollars, which means for each horsepower, you'll get $10 off your purchase. Roll out in the Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye and get $7,970 off. Maybe you'll take off in a Dodge Charger or tear up the streets in a Durango. Hurry in to your local Dodge dealer now and save. See dealer for details. Offer not available on vehicle leases. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 930-19. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
Welcome back, everyone. It is Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Edger. We are joined by Diana Valeri. She is Chief Evangelist for a company called Savient, and she is a cybersecurity expert. We are talking about all the nefarious people throughout the planet that wants your data, that wants to use your data as to hold someone hostage. It is a scary world out there, Diana. So these bad actors in Eastern Europe or Africa or wherever they may be, I assume they are successful from time to time. As we are seeing painfully frequently now. I mean, what we're seeing in the newspapers that's brought up on the front page is really kind of a small fraction because people are not required to report data breaches that don't involve customer data. So if somebody's intellectual property is being stolen, you'll never see that. And they're not going to advertise it. (laughs) And when we're talking intellectual property, I think that makes the list of criminals I'm going to guess that perhaps China, perhaps Russia, and other Mm. bad actor states are involved in that to a great degree. Certainly China, from what I understand, in terms of intellectual property. Absolutely. This is not just fiction anymore. This is actually proven that there are state-sponsored attacks where our nation has had our government's computers, many of our leading technology firms' computers, have been compromised. And a lot of data has been exfiltrated in that process. And is whether it's in government or in healthcare or in financial services or any of these different sectors, is it kind of whack-a-mole or are we getting better at protecting everything? I'd say that we are getting better than we used to be. One of the first things that you'll notice, if you go back just a few years, people were denying this was even happening in terms of specific targeted attacks. And now that that awareness is starting to filter through and people are becoming more cognizant of the fact that this is happening, there's been more concentration on how do we stop this. And some of it's simple things, like you know, start tracking where connections into your network are coming from. Hey, they're coming from China. That's a bit suspicious. We don't actually have any employees in China. huh? Nor a Chinese office. <laughs> That's right. How strange. Right. <laughs> well, so, and you would think they would be on anybody's list of, oh, hold on, just for that reason. Because you think absolutely. anybody's an incursion from China would raise the red flag. Absolutely. That's something that, you know, I talk with organizations that want to move into the Chinese markets, which are so significant right now, but they don't know how to set up a data center there safely because right. they're spending so much time trying to protect against it. And how do they have a sharing of data without that becoming a huge risk is a big challenge right now. Yeah, I've worked with companies in China and it is a super challenge. It's the wild mm-hmm. to say the least. And but you always have that dichotomy with companies that want the business, but you know, you weigh that against the security risk and sure. it's considerable. Yeah, it is absolutely considerable. So we are getting slightly better. But is it also kind of an arms race in no matter how much better we get? There's always <laughs> newer things. You are continuing trying to sure. warm up each other. Sure. I mean, that's one of the things I was going to say is I can say that we're getting slightly better, but we're also facing that constant advance of technology uh, on those who are malicious actors. I mean, it used to be that it was, as I said, the person in the basement. Now that person can spin up 500 cores on a cloud network and do a simultaneous attack just on themselves without having to go through and you know, individually compromise a bunch of computers and set up a bot network or something. The technology is advancing so fast that trying to keep ahead of it is its own challenge. 
Yeah, I can only imagine. And, you know, you see that everywhere as whether it's the increased, you know, storage in your phone to to everything down the line. You know, we it, it it's mm-hmm. bigger, better, faster, cheaper, um, but also more and even companies like Apple. And, you know, it's it, it's so much to protect, I suppose. It, it seems like um, you're just on constant guard to and, and it's but it's almost impossible to completely protect yourself. You but you just have to. What's the old Donald Rumsfeld line? You know, you 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 uh, you know you you. There are things you know you don't know, and there are things you don't know you don't know, and that's what's scary. <laughs> I would imagine when it comes to you know the things you don't know you don't know must keep CTOs up at night. Absolutely, I mean that's really the the crux of it because even though we aren't always staying ahead of what we should have in place, security measures, et cetera. The fear is perpetually that every new thing that organizations are trying to embrace for digital transformation is bringing out a new attack vector, a new risk. And so it's always that, so I was going back to that weighing of, I want to be able to reach more customers or have a new channel of communication or do something new, but I don't even know the risk of it because it's new. So how bleeding edge and leading edge do you want to be? <laughs> well, and if you're a publicly traded company whose you know mm. bottom line is built on profits, you know I'm going to take a wild guess, and you we know how that usually ends up, and oftentimes yes. you see those folks in the headlines. Unfortunately for them, um, and it's uh, I hope it continues to get better, but I just don't ever seeing that challenge within an organization in terms of profit versus security, profit's usually going to win, right? Almost always. Almost <laughs> always we see that is the case. I mean, what do you do in that regard? You know, one of the things that you're taught as you're becoming studying cybersecurity and there's certifications you can get, et cetera, is that there's no such thing as absolute security. You can only try to pick what are the key things you must protect and make it as hard to get to those as possible. But even now, they say that organizations should, quote-unquote, presume breach. If you don't think that you've been breached, you just haven't found it yet. People say that, and it's a little discouraging to me. But almost this belief that there's no way around it is going to happen. And uh, I, I resist that statement, but I do think that everybody needs to have a plan for what happens if things have gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. All right, we are talking cybersecurity with Diana Valeri. She is calling us from Las Vegas. She's a chief evangelist for Savient, a small tech company, and she is a cybersecurity expert. And we've got more with Diana when we come back on Pop Tech Radio. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. And we are back 
Mike Edshart, PopTech Radio, Diana Valeri, cybersecurity expert, is joining us from that lovely town of Las Vegas, hanging out gambling and winning, one would assume. Um, so, <laughs> so Diana, I, I've been listening to a great podcast on, uh, it's called The Report, and it's a, basically a, a breakdown of the Mueller Report. And what I found fascinating in it is um, kind of talking about the data breaches of mostly the Democratic campaigns um, by the Russians. But I guess I, I must have read this at some point, but hearing this podcast has kind of reinforced that, in fact, there are, I think, three different Russian organizations that were trying to penetrate various organizations here. And, you know, we're coming up on an election next year. Um, you know, in terms of our political organizations, um, were they kind of aware that prior to all of this stuff happening back in 2016, were they previously thinking about that? Or, or I'm going to take it seems like from listening to this podcast that there weren't a lot of precautions taken uh, with, with a lot of these organizations. No, you know, honestly, that's one of the most surprising things to me about the Russian hack of all the DNC campaign materials is that they were so unprepared. They had not anticipated the possibility at all, it seems. Right. They didn't think, oh, somebody could actually try to get into our data, could try and get into our servers. It, it just took them by so much surprise. And uh, you know, one would assume that they have awoken from their slumber, <laughs> I hope. But, you know, as we move into the elections, the take seems to have been that while the Russians were kind of looking around with various counties and states, that, that it's unlikely that they, they were able to uh, have an impact on any of those elections. But I'm going to guess that hopefully all of the – but, of course, for our elections, I assume that there's so many different – um, repositories of data, again, whether it's city, state, county, um, there, there must be just so many different entities that need to be secure as we approach elections that it's got to be a really overwhelming potential problem. Yeah, really, that's absolutely the case. But the thing I'd still like to point out about the Russian interference is that nobody claims that one single vote was doctored. Right. Nobody claims that anything was actually changed in that by a straight-up hacking. So I would say that some of the things that we're protecting are the right things in terms of our democratic process is not being directly abrogated by somebody changing data. But the sort of thing you can do with the information people are getting a hold of is really where the challenge is. Right. Right? So, yeah. So that was then. That was four years ago, give or take. And now I'm going to say with as much optimism as I can muster that hopefully there is a renewed um, awareness of the importance of the protection of data, whether you're a, a political campaign or a national organization or any of that stuff. Please tell me that these people are paying more attention. Yes. Yes, I think you've absolutely found, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We are absolutely in the point where people are investing, especially in uh, political campaigns and even smaller government agencies. Because you look at, you know, the state of Florida had a couple of servers hacked in that process. Right. Who would have thought somebody would go after that in particular? But there's that growing awareness that, 
what we previously would have thought of as unimportant data is critically important and would have thought of as not an attractive target is extremely attractive. So people are actually paying attention. I think we are seeing much more concentration on how we ensure that what was previously not considered as a high-value asset to a foreign power, even internally, is being protected. And the funny thing is that it didn't even come from within this country. It came from outside of this country. So. Right. And, you know, and we started talking about, uh, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of data protection and, and the responsibilities of these companies mm. than it is in the States. Um, you know, are these foreign powers also kind of meddling outside of the U.S. in their political um, elections and things like that? We, I don't hear about it if that's the case because it's, it was so focused on the U.S. <laughs> but is it going on over there as well? Oh, well, I think that there's a great deal of misinformation that went around Brexit in particular. But, all right, let's talk about the latest iPhone hack that happened. You know, people, uh, it was announced in this big press thing, but what came out later was that the actual target of it was a very small portion of the population in China that had been actually the focus of that breach and trying to get people to click on pages and have their phones infected was a very tiny population and in uh, almost all probability a state-sponsored attack there. didn't hear that as much, but of course, of course. Or look at what's going on in Hong Kong right now, the crackdown right there on the government trying to get their hands around and control every bit of information. Of course, people are seeing their data privacy and their freedoms restricted again, by state-sponsored stuff. Right. And in given that everybody has a mobile device, for the most part on the planet, mm-hmm. how hard is it for a country to truly put their arms around information and data like that? I mean, I assume it, it's, it's certainly, you can make a good effort, and but it's going to be really, really hard to, to completely eliminate dissent when you have those electronic communications yes. available. Yes. I mean, we're seeing that absolutely, you know, you talk about as the, the Great Wall around China that's controlling information going in and out, per se, and they're even getting into watching you know, chat platforms internally for words that can trigger things to monitor the population. So in terms of freedoms, those things can be compromised much more easily. But it's still... It's still so much data to sift through and so many possible devices. We have a phrase that, you know, the it used to be that security was like your firewall and that the identity is the new security perimeter. And countries have a hard time trying to target security right around that individual person. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, that seems like a good thing for the most part for in those countries. But mm-hmm. I... But, like all this stuff, it cuts both ways. By the way, we're talking about cybersecurity. We've got Diana Valeri with us. If you need to take a a quick commercial break, we are coming back for our last, last segment right after these words. Over the years, automakers have spent a lot of time talking about the future. At Kia, they don't sit around dreaming of a better tomorrow because they already made it so that you can have it today. Introducing Kia's lineup of electrified Nero SUVs, the hybrid, the plug-in, and the electric with an EPA-estimated range of 239 miles. Because the future is just the future until we make something of it. Kia, give it everything. 
239-mile EPA-estimated range on a full charge. Actual range may vary. Nero EV is in select retailers and select markets with limited availability. We are back. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchar with Diana Valeri. She is a cybersecurity expert. We've been talking with all this episode about cybersecurity. And, you know, just on the break, Diana, you were mentioning, you know, we've talked about tech. We've talked about kind of the human elements in this. Um, but there are psychological elements in all of these hacking and data breaches and kind of trying to sway people. Talk a little bit about that because that sometimes is something you don't necessarily come to mind when you're talking cybersecurity. You know, absolutely. Like, this is one of the big challenges, especially as we look at social media or getting emails from someone in what, you know, phishing campaigns, et cetera, is that it's less, it's only partially the technology, but people need to be very cognizant of what we're taking in because the technology is being used to try and influence people. And on the other side of the screen, somebody can say, hey, you're getting an email from this vendor of your company that wants to come in and work on the you know, air conditioning duct system on the weekend. Or you can get somebody who says, hey, you know, I'm a father of three children and one of them is sick and I need help. All of these things that are being presented to you, you don't know this person on the other side definitively anymore. And as people, we tend to take in what we're presented in situations like that and presume it's truth. And unfortunately, we all have to become a little bit more cognizant and a little bit more, I hate to use the word suspicious, but, you know, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware yes. of what you're being sold any time that somebody's passing you information on the Internet. No, and I talked to a lot of school districts, actually, about this kind of digital awareness, you know, and preparing young adults for basically the world as it is now, where you do have to be suspicious or just, you know, don't give people the benefit of a doubt and, and question things. Yeah, you know, so we all have more or less a pretty good antenna. It's really challenging, but this is probably the most important thing that we can, can talk about on the radio, I'm going to guess, right? When it comes to cybersecurity, having that awareness and that suspicion. Sure, and I, I hate to use the term suspicion, but as humans, we are social creatures in a way, and we want to think the best about everybody else. And you never want to think that this person on the other side of the computer is actually just trying to get a hold of money and is playing upon the emotional strings that I'm most likely to listen to, or that they are a bot program that has analyzed these 27 aspects of my personality that say that because I am a moderate and I have two children that I'm more likely to be influenced by somebody similar to me. So they're going to send me a post from an account of someone who looks similar to me in some fashion that I'm more likely to trust. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Scary. That is nefarious. This is the world we live in, right? And as my yes. late mother used to say, forewarned is forearmed. And that means... May it be you know, so. Yes, exactly. We need to be aware of all of that stuff. And it is pretty frightening. And as we kind of wrap up, you know, let's just for just another minute or so talk about what we can do personally to protect our data. What's the most important things that we should be aware of? And we're out there on the interwebs and making transactions on Amazon and eBay and wherever else, what do we need to pay attention to? So with the major retailers, like you mentioned, Amazon and eBay, they have 
reasonable measures in place. If you are buying from a vendor or giving your data to somebody that's not an extremely well-known entity, be very cautious about what you share. I know it's a pain to read the privacy policies, but if you ever think you're getting a free service on the internet, guess what? You are the commodity that's being <laughs> traded, probably. That's right. <laughs> your information. So be careful about that. I always tell people, Use a credit card or a small limit thing as opposed to a bank card. You know, don't put a debit card in for anything online. Yes, even getting gas at the pump. I've been told never use your PIN number. Always use a credit card side of your ATM card just for safety. Well, all of these things we need to certainly pay attention to. So, Diana Valeri, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a complete pleasure to have you on. Quite a privilege. I really enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully someone out there will be helped by it. Well, and it's not going to be the first time we're going to chat about this because, uh, you know, whenever one of these things pop up in the news, guess who I'm going to call first to come on the radio? It would be <laughs> Well, that's exciting. That's what I talk about. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, by the way, you can follow Diana. She blogs at the Savient website. It's S-A-V-I-Y-N-T dot com slash blog. You can find her there talking about all kinds of cybersecurity issues, which, like we said, we do need to be aware of. And by the way, thanks for listening into today's show. Uh, you can always go to the place where you get podcasts. In my case, that's iTunes, to listen to old episodes or uh, other topics that we have covered. We are always there. And I want to thank uh, Radio America for carrying us across this great country of ours uh, to the various terrestrial radio stations that carry us. Mike Paradiso and Jenny Didis and that team at Radio America, we do appreciate it. So, for everyone here at Pop Tech Radio. Of course, big thanks to Cody Castleberry, my producer and editor, which is the most important thing we all need in life, an editor. So big <laughs> thanks to Cody. So folks, thanks for listening in today. We will see you next time on Pop Tech Radio. The big news from Subaru is the three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.